service on Wednesday evenings. But I'm greeting you from uh, Brandon. He is back from Texas, but he got sick, and so he called me on Friday to step in today. So, all right. Today is kind of a special thing. Uh, it's wisdom for this life that Proverbs contains. And um, so, I think I've got this, the wrong, <laughs> I got the wrong notes up here. That's funny. All right, but how do I change this now? <laughs> That's funny. Okay, you need a little patience. Uh, Sunday's now was uh, Practical Wisdom on Life Matters. And today, uh, the topic is how to be successful. And I brought you today two important models based on research, some of them, some of these things, and some on phenomen phenomenological stories, uh, studies. And I share, will share them with you to back up the verse that we read uh, earlier. But as a disclaimer, you know, when we talk about wisdom for this life, when we talk about uh, studies and, and these things, grace is behind everything that blesses us. So grace is the important topic behind everything. Without Jesus, any attempt to be successful in life is ultimately completely meaningless. And so uh, this is... I bring this disclaimer because of this cult we have in our society today, which is this self-improvement cult. And it actually um, fits very well what we talked about during the uh, pre-service meeting. Uh, and I don't know whether you know, but for example, Scientology is born out of this self-improvement idea. And, and these ideas, Scientology ideas, they have influenced actually society and the, uh, the work uh, life of many people. And sometimes it went into like those, uh, yeah, this modern life hack culture that the youth uh, is indulged in. So watch out, that's my warning as a disclaimer, where your hope is. Watch out and watch your glory. Paul said in Galatians 6, verse 14, he said, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. And actually, one of my favorite verses, and I wrote it in my dissertation thesis also in the front, is the following verse in Corinthians 15, verse up, starting from verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And in his grace to me, his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than them all. Yet, not I, but the grace of God that was within me. So when we look at our verse, um, we'll see it's about success. It's about worldly wisdom. And let's look at it in the light of grace, in the light of of these things. So 
we want to look at the verse first, what it says, um, and then we talk about a little bit about what success really is. What what is success about? What could what? How do we think about success really? Then um, we will we'll look at the Hebrew word that is used here in those verses for skilled. And then uh, I bring you the two tools that I announced in the beginning. So the verse again is, do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. So actually, this verse uh, is about how to, how to recognize a man who will have success in life. And maybe also how to become someone who has success in life. And of course, the, the word uh, stand before kings is a picture for success, right? Uh, not before unknown men. I remember when my father first had shown me, I, I think it was a pot of uh, marmalade, and it has the, had this logo on it, lo this, um, and it said, um, Royal Warrant Holder. Who knows that from the UK? It's the one who is that those companies who are, or craftsmen, who are official, official suppliers of goods or services to, um, to the royal court. And you can use that to advertise, and it says, if it's good enough for the king, it's good enough for you. So uh, this is success in life, right? If you made it there, you make it everywhere. Um, so you will recognize a man who has this success, who will stand before the king and serve before the king because he is skilled or she is skilled in what they do. So when we look at success, what success really means, um, I think the culture has changed a lot. People, uh, young people want success quickly without effort today. You know, I, if you watch uh, YouTube on a somewhat regular basis, you know the advertisements that they show there. You know, I have, you, I have five steps without effort, you, you'd be rich in half a year or something like that. But success, it, it is more than being famous and standing before a king. Maybe that's part of it, could be part of it, but it's definitely more. It's definitely more than having influence and power and be able to talk to a king or to someone who reigns. It may be that, but it's definitely more. And it's definitely more than making money. Success also is considering the poor and the weak. Success is also staying true to your consciousness. Success is also being able to stand uh, before the king. Jesus, I mean. So many definitions of success definitely shall fall short of this part. Because they forget those definitions of success, they forget uh, that everything burns in the end, right? Nobody takes anything when they die with them. So what is it that makes success? It is the things you do in love by faith. I will cite Romans 14.23 on that. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because they're eating 
is, is not from faith, and everything that, is not come, that does not come from faith is sin. So everything that is from faith is uh, success. And uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So if we seek success in this life, we have, also, we have to also factor in this part of success. We cannot do the one without the other. Very important to me. So um, there is a potential that God has given you uh, in being alive, being healthy, or having certain uh, talents. And this th these things you have is kind of speaking of God. God spoke into your life by who you are, what he has given you, the potential he, he has given to you. And so you need to react to that and live accordingly. And this is success. The opposite of it actually is sin because you're not doing what God has called you to do. That's an interesting thought, and it crosses our usual boundary between oh, well, the one thing is spiritual, the other thing is like this world or so on. It's, it all belongs together. So the word, next step, the word that is used for skilled, or that is translated to skilled, is a Hebrew word, sorry. And it can also mean quick or prompt or ready or skilled. And uh, other words that come to my mind along that line is diligence, excellence, growth. Wait a second. All right, better. So diligence, the word speaks a lot about diligence. One example, uh, Proverbs 10 verse 4. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. One of those. And, um, but one thing that, that's most important to me when I read this, this verse, the skilled man, is mastery and craftsmanship. So um, to do things with your hands or with your mouth or uh, however, uh, with your guitar, um, that display a mastery of what you do. And this is also part of the Bible and even though there, there were craftsmen, their work and their skill, skillfulness uh, in their work was attributed to the Holy Spirit when they built the tabernacle. Um, we can read this in Exodus 35, and I save us the time to read it. But there it says, there was some man who was skilled by the Holy Spirit to build those beautiful things that God wanted to have in order to be there, the place where he wants to meet his people. And God loves it when we do great things with our hands, when we create art, when we uh, sing, when we build houses, when we uh, develop computer programs, when we uh, do things skillfully. God delights in that, and he uses the, used this skillfulness in the Old Testament to build this tabernacle where he wanted to live and meet his people. And it's a great joy for God to see this, for us to use those uh, gifts that he has given us to create beauty that, that's for his glory. And should be joy for us also to see great results, to see 
to be thankful to God for success. And the thing is, I spoke about talents that God has given you. The thing is, the trap uh, that in that in which we fall frequently is, ah, other people have talents. I don't. I tried that, but I can't. So I want to make a little thought uh, experiment with you. So if you use this pattern of thought, oh, this person is so, so talented. I could never do that. I challenge you, you know, who of you was able to walk when they were born? If you used the same mindset when you were born, you would never walk, right? So the whole thing about talents is you need to practice. You need to um, work on the excellence that you want to display. We learn everything in life, more or less. So, and this is um, the first um, psychological studies I want to dive into, this pitfall of thinking we're somehow set up in a way and this doesn't change. So uh, there was a psychologist, uh, Carol Dweck, who did in the 70s, they, she started with those studies. She studied 10-year-olds in school and they presented them the challenge that, that was slightly too hard. And the one group, so how they reacted was different. That was basically, were basically two groups. One group uh, said, oh, I love a challenge. And the other group said, oh, I don't know whether I can make it. So the one group was uh, excited about the challenge. The other group was fearful to fail. Of course, these studies showed that uh, group one pe uh, kids were more successful in the challenge. You, have, you would have imagined that. But the results go further and deeper. Group two who were afraid of, the, of failure, they think when a challenge comes up, it means my intelligence or my skillfulness is up for judgment. And people will find out I'm not as good as I, as I tell them or as they thought before. This, this mindset is called a fixed mindset. It believes that things are set and challenges are only for finding out who you really are. How do kids like this live with failure. They, there were three successive studies on that. And in one study, the kids sa uh, said, like a majority of the kids said, they would rather cheat in uh, um, instead of study. As this is a result of fixed mindset. Rather cheat than study. Another study showed um, they would look for someone worse in order to keep their self-esteem. Another study showed they would run from difficulty. So, of course, this group of kids, their skills went down, not up, not, not even stayed the same. 
they became worse in their results because of their fear of failure. The other group performed better and grew better over time. And they've made brain studies where they measured brain activity and, and, and they measured how the kids who loved the challenge, how their brain was interacting with the challenge and how everything was activated in their brain. And, you know, they, they used the results of these studies in underprivileged schools in New York, for example. One school went from the worst school in the whole district to the best school in the whole district. So the results speak for themselves. So it turns out that how you grow and how skillful you get in something d depends on what you believe about failure. Right? And this is a very important uh, thing for life, I'd say. So those who have kids and ha or will have kids, think of that. Never praise a kid for success. Always praise for effort. Very important thing. So, we have examples in the Bible. When you think about your children's uh, Bible, I will mention Joseph, for example. He was sold into slavery by his own brothers. Failure and uh, got imprisoned and um, twice even. But eventually, through, doing, through being faithful, through being diligent, through being courageous in the sight of difficulty, he was recognized for his good work and stood before Pharaoh, right? Daniel was captured by uh, a foreign army. They tried to brainwash him. They put him into a Babylonic school and taught him all this witchcraft and so on, but he stayed faithful to God. And at the end, through being diligent and courageous and faithful, he stood before Nebuchadnezzar, Moses. He killed a guy and had to flee, but he stuck with his uh, calling and God restored him and used him mightily. So many examples of people who have failures in their lives, who fell, who had difficulties in their life, but whose who have taken those challenges as something to grow. Very important thing, fixed versus growth mindset. Never believe everything is set. God has given you talents to be faithful with it, to work with it. Like think about the, the, the servants who got the money from, uh, in the parable that Jesus told, same, very same thing. So it turns out how we deal with failure is the most important thing, how we can get there to be skilled. Because failure is a chance to learn. Unfortunately, there's two choices we have when, when, we, when we deal with failure. One is to face failure, and the other one is a there are many ways to get stuck in not dealing with failure in order to learn. So the following thing is called the responsibility process. Uh, and it speaks about where we can get stuck when we deal with failure. 
And the very first thing, uh, let me do this experiment. So, imagine me or you uh, want to leave the house and your Fletcher guys or your family, uh, you're living with a family, and um, you, you open the place where you usually have your key. For me, it's a drawer in, in, uh, right beside the door. I open the drawer and I'm really in a hurry, but my key is not there. What is the first thought you would have in that situation? Maybe the same one as mine. Who has taken my key? Right? So, we usually, one of the first things we do if we don't deny that there is a problem, that's something we do very frequently, um, is blaming others. And we know that from the Bible also. Genesis 3, right? Like the man said, Eve gave it to me. Eve said, the snake gave it to me. Blaming others is a very uh, common thing in mankind. So first we have to overcome that we deny, uh, deny that there is a problem. That's what Adam and Eve also did. Right? They hid. Hopefully God doesn't see there is a problem. We, want to face, we don't want to face it either. Let's hide. Let's stick some, together some fig leaves. Deny. The second is blame others. The third is excuses. So, okay, it maybe wasn't my wife who put the keys away. I found the keys in my shoes on the... On the stairway, and then I think, oh my, uh, it's clear, it's not my, my fault, I was in a hurry and everybody wants something from me, my kids came and needed something when I came home, so I left my keys there, and it's all their problem. And we do it, uh, usually, we do that a lot, you know, I'm too busy, I can't do that right, I'm too stressed, I can't do that right, you know, uh, so that is finding excuses for what we do wrong or for failure in our lives. The thing is, denial, blame, and finding excuses, all three of them, we avoid face, facing failure, learning from it. And one learning could be, in, in term, when we talk about sin, one learning could be like to really confess and to really speak to someone about it, to pray together. But also very practical things when you like um, have a bad day uh, playing the piano when you're a pianist or, or other things. So you find excuses that, that the circumstances, it's the circumstances fault and you never learn why it didn't work. Probably your piano playing wasn't well because you didn't sleep the other night or because you didn't practice last week. So, and that was your own choice. So you have to find a better schedule to do it, and you can learn from it. And there's a lot of responsibility God gives us to deal with this. And in more severe circumstances, we have the same thing. Paul has a very great mindset about these things, about circumstances. In Philippians 4, he writes, 
I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any situation, in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. He didn't talk about circumstances being to blame for uh, his problems, for his failures. He said, I've learned to be content with any circumstance. So denial, blame, excuse make us helpless to really learn from failure. And there's another one, and usually our brain is wired to go through all of them step by step uh, when we uh, face failure. And the fourth is shaming ourselves. And uh, that is, makes us powerless. It says, I will never be able to do that right. I'm such a poor guy. I will never be able to do that right. And we tell ourselves we will never be able. But uh, Paul says a different thing here, right? I can do all things through Jesus. And then there's a fifth one that we have to overcome. This is the, the one where we say, I really don't want to do it right. Yeah? That's uh, from frustration. I really don't want to do it right. I don't I'd want to practice piano, for example. I don't want to uh, practice my English skills. I don't want to practice whatever, but I have to. This is obligation or uh, in, in, in our religious circles, we call it legalism. But 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says us where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. Only if we overcome denial, blame, excuses, shaming, and obligation, only then we take full ownership of the situation and learn from it. So this is my encouragement to you. So first of all, live by grace and walk with Jesus and become excellent in at least one thing, in at least one talent that God has given you. And how do you do that? Prepare to fail and welcome failure as an opportunity to learn, to grow. And then enjoy challenges. And this is the way to become skillful and to stand before kings. So I have one story at the end. Uh, in 2008, that was my first time I tried to bake a bread. And, um, you know, Baking bread isn't so easy as you would thaw, think in the first place, uh, at least for German standards for bread. So, <clears throat> so the first bread I, I baked was really, I mean, it was flat, it was dense, it was, uh, wow, it was yucky. And the second one also was really, I, it's not, was not eatable, it was really hard, you know, I could, couldn't even chew it. So then in 2008, I thought, okay, then let's eat um, bread from the bakery again. And I uh, put the idea 
behind me to eat my own bread. Then in 2013, I tried again, and I really, every time I, I started to bake, I wrote everything down from uh, like ingredients to how the process went and everything. And every time I baked the bread, I really, my kids, Dad, stop talking about your bread. Every time we sat at the table and we're eating bread, I said, ah, this time the bread is good in that re respect, but that other respect is not so good. So I need to try this and that. And I'm like, stop talking about your bread. But then I got really skillful about baking bread, like sourdough, like uh, um, gray bread, like white bread, like uh, even croissants and, uh, and all that. So. I got really skillful at one thing in my life. for preaching. Um, yeah, in this last song, we, we sing again about, um, yeah, about how sometimes we stand before Jesus and we can't, we, ha we haven't got anything that we can present him that would, yeah, deserve his love or grace. But yeah, he loves us either way, so.